Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. It is Wednesday, October 2nd, and thanks for tuning in to the Jeff Andreas Show. On today's program, I'll be having my usual chat with the mayor following yesterday's council meeting. A few things on yesterday's agenda include an intercommunity business license and free transit service for major events like elections. That will help people, of course, get to the polls. So I'll be chatting with Ken Christian at around the 50-minute mark of today's show. To kick off the back half, I'll be joined by the West Canada Theatre as it gets set for its return to the Sagebrush Theatre. Next week, will mark the first time back there since it was closed for roof repairs. The facility was closed since February after a crack in a roof truss was discovered. So it's an exciting return for the Western Canada Theatre and I'll be joined by artistic director James McDonald to talk about its new feature for people to check out and of course it is a very fitting one for this month. Yes, it will be showing Dracula, so stick around for details on that. James will be coming on around the 35-minute mark. And in about 10 minutes' time, I'll be talking about the city's recreation master plan. It's continuing to work on shaping what it will be doing for the next 5 to 10 years here in Kamloops. It will be looking at things like new ice pads, aquatic uh, facilities, sports fields, ball diamonds, and also look at a new arts and cultural center. So I'll be talking with the city's director of that at around uh, 10 minutes. So stick around for that. But to begin today's show... It's a big night for myself and many other Canadians and, of course, a bunch of people here in the newsroom. Uh, it's day one of the NHL season. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Yes, the quest for the Stanley Cup begins tonight, and I'm joined in studio by uh, pretty much the entire newsroom right now. We got <laughs> Kurt Appleby, I got Colton Davies, and Victor Kaiser all in here with me right now. How's it going, gentlemen? Yeah, good. good. Besides it's... the fact I can't really look at you right, I'll try not to look at you while we're doing this in that suit you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. what he said. It's more crowded in here than the uh, penalty box of a Leafs-Sens game. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, we'll on find out tonight. Night, yeah, yeah. Right. On, on rivalry night, right? As the league calls it, is that what they call it? Uh, Wednesday night rivalry. Yeah, yeah that is a thing. That's, there we go. Yeah. I mean, we got Vegas, San Jose coming up tonight. I think that's the best <laughs> rivalry in hockey right now. Yeah, yeah. Besides Edmonton, Vancouver. I mean, let's be honest here. Okay, well, let's start with Vancouver because I think a bunch of you guys are Canucks fans. So how how do you feel about the fact that they're not naming a captain until next week? That's kind of the dumbest thing ever, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, d I don't know. I mean, you, it, basically, I, I saw Jeff Patterson tweet about this, and I agree with it. And the fact that, um, you know, I don't think the leadership duties are just going to be suddenly thrust upon whoever they name captain in six or seven days from now. So why not just name it before tonight? Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, put a C on someone's jersey for puck drop. It seems silly. I mean, what do you think about uh, who it is going to be? Do you, Victor, do you think it's going to be one of those four guys that and they showed in the leadership group yesterday? I, I would think so, because I don't know who else has really left. I mean, there's been some, you know, chatter on Twitter. Ooh, this is Patterson's team. But I don't think he's ready for it. No, I think it wouldn't make sense to not have an A opening night if you're going to wear the C on game three. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, this is Bo Horvat's job. Uh, he's sort of been groomed ever since he was uh, 18 years old. You could see it uh, in his attitude and how he played. He's, he's improved so much, uh, Colton, when it comes to foot speed and, and puck handling overall. Yeah, I guess so. I guess he's, what, 24 years old now, and he's been in the NHL five years um, I'm just trying to think of, of going off the board. Why would they name anybody else captain? I mean, the only other option maybe is Edler, right? Out of those four, you got 
uh, Horvat, Edler, Tanev, and Sutter that they named in their leadership group. Maybe maybe they'll surprise everyone. Maybe Brandon Sutter is the captain of this team. That would definitely maybe, be maybe surprising. Maybe Robert Book it now. coming back. Book it now. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, do you think they'll actually make the playoffs? I think they're going to probably finish 10th in the West. That would probably be about my prediction. What do you guys think? I'll start with Colton. 10th? Uh, hmm. You know, I, I'm going to go fringe playoff team because, you know, as a Canucks fan, I've been deprived. Uh, like Kurt, like others here for uh, the last several years. I'm going to say they're seventh. May in the I West. remind you, you're talking to a Leafs fan that was perpetually deprived for what 50 years. No, that's okay. We're you know. still <laughs> deprived, man. It's been but 51 years. We're no, still waiting. So I, you know, I think you look at some of those young guys. I think you know Pedersen. He kind of went through his sophomore slump like halfway through last year. It was kind of crazy. So I think he's going to take the league. He, you know, he had a bit of a. I don't know exactly the the points and however many games, but he lit it up to start the season. Then he slumped a little bit for a good portion yeah. of the year, right? So I think for Pedersen, knowing how worldly good he is, that's probably his sophomore slump. So I think he comes out of the gate and just totally, uh, you know, doesn't have that at all. Brock Besser's there. Michael Furland, what a good addition that should be. I think JT Miller should fit in good as soon as, uh, you know, he, uh, <laughs> he was kind of, he kind of concerned me uh, when he made some comments about, yeah, we're renting. Uh, we just bought a house in Tampa and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we had to pack everything up and move here. It didn't yeah. sound like he wanted to be here, but I think he'll get his feet on yeah, the floor. He'll be all right. I Jacob mean, that's Markstrom, kind of the life what can of the say about him too is your last year. So I don't know. It's all about health. I think if Besser and Pedersen can stay healthy, because that's the key, right? They missed what pretty much half the season between them last year. So that's that's the biggest issue for me with that team. Yeah, a lot of cheap shots there when it comes to uh, Elias Pedersen. Uh, definitely uh, in uh, against Florida and against Montreal with Kokinemi. Uh, the league knows exactly who he is, Colton. So it doesn't surprise me that. Uh, he, a player like that would have slumped in his second half. Uh, he's new to the league. The league's figuring him out. But guess what, guys? He's had a summer now to figure the league out, and it's going to show. Yeah, I think there's some good pieces, but I think you definitely argue that uh, the Canucks are not uh, a playoff team if uh, Besser and Pedersen don't play most of the year. Uh, so the Canucks are taking on the Oilers in Edmonton tonight, starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, so do you guys think the Oilers have any chance at actually doing anything? they got the best player in the world, maybe two of the best five players in the world on the team and then it's just a disaster pretty much thereafter uh i gotta feel like mcdavid's a lock to win the scoring title i mean kucherov will give him a run but other than that yeah, those are really the only get two guys cast. um i mean do you, do you have any faith in that team to turn it around from what they did last year or are they once again a bottom feeder what absolutely you, no faith what do yeah, you think Kurt? yeah no no faith here guys too especially with uh, mcdavid missing the majority of the uh the preseason and training camp with uh, with an injury to whatever it was, uh, it's not going to take long for a player like that to get uh, into the swing of things. I, I just hope that it's not tonight here for opening night. Yeah, I think uh, McDavid's going to hit the ground running. I'm not too worried about him. It's just the rest of the team that's kind of a disaster. I guess yeah. uh, if you were to rank the Canadian teams right now, who would you put... Number one. Not I know Leafs. who I would number, put number They're one. number nine, actually. No, <laughs> I would absolutely absolutely put the Leafs to the number one I would Canadian too. team. Yeah. And, and I'm not even ashamed to, to admit it, too. I, in years past, uh, especially last year, the Leafs were my hopeful pick because I am a Canadian at heart and I want to see a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup. I, I believe right now the Leafs have the best chance. They sure have the best forward group, um, if you ask me, Jeff. Yep, I have to agree with that. Uh, well, of course, yeah, no, Jets, I do too. The Jets were the hot pick last year, eh, for the the top team in the in the country. But man, man. did they ever? Did they ever? What's the, what's a good uh, airplane pun here? Flame out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I crashed know, and burned. Yeah, well, I don't know about crashing, but uh, something along those something lines. Along We're those not lines, quite yeah. there. Yeah. But, no, you know, they're... Dustin Bufflin's going to retire. Uh, Is Patrick Liney regressed mm -hmm. right last year? Well, he but, had a good week. 
He had one really good yeah, week. He had like 11 goals, goals yeah. in one week. Well, and, that was like November. Yeah. I, well, I remember I he had a, that was when he had a four-goal game against uh, St. Louis before they actually turned into the St. Louis that won a Stanley Cup last year. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if they're the top team. They probably were this time last year, them or the Leafs. But the Flames are right up there, too, right? Like, they made some additions. They traded Dougie Hamilton, what, two off-seasons ago now? And, and yep. uh, oh, That I'm, was a great trade for uh, them, right? Elias Lindholm, who they brought Lindholm back. What Hannafin, a fit right? he like, was. Hannafin, too. Yeah. yeah. It was a great so, trade. Absolutely. And then you got uh, David Riddick emerge. Like, Mike Smith slumped last year for the Flames, right? You wouldn't even notice he, that, that they had that issue in goal because they were better, right? The yeah. team around their goal was better and David Riddick kind of uh, performed probably better than they thought he was gonna so. I think they moved to Mike Smith towards the end of the year when it got into that kind of crunch time and and you can't ju you just can't trust a rookie when uh, when your team's on the verge of making the playoffs. yeah except when you have Matt Murray uh, I don't yeah, know if I agree with that necessarily the yeah. Penguins, but yeah well and, and, and to uh, Bing Jordan Bennington, Bennington yeah. too, but, <laughs> yeah, there we uh, go but they had no other options in st. Louis that's right. true because yeah. Jake Allen's a disaster yeah. um, <laughs> And now, now he doesn't have a, a starting role anymore, so that's fine. Still better than me in goal. <laughs> All right, we got about a minute left, so uh, let's let's go around, pick uh, one from the east, one from the west, and who's going to win? Start with Kurt. Uh, from the west, I as I scroll through here, I like the St. Louis Blues to to repeat again. Uh, in the east, I think Tampa Bay is too strong, and they're going to. They're yep. going to push through. That's the a injury. pretty popular pick, Colton. I hate myself uh, completely for being a part of this because of my prediction, but I think. Uh, well, I guess in the in the Eastern Conference final, you probably got Boston, Toronto, but uh, I'm going to say Boston. You know, they have that that experience. Brad Marchand runs around, and he's Brad Marchand. And uh, you know, on on the West, um, I think I think I like St. Louis. I like what they proved last year. You they got a an repeat old club. of last year's final. Eh? Yeah, and I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say the Bruins though over the over the over the I, Blues. Paul likes that one. I, I think, and, and I would agree with Kurt. Of course, it'll be Tampa Bay and St. Louis. I think, but my oh, head. Of course, that's my, uh, that's bold. Yeah, my head says in the West St. Louis, but my heart will all, will always say Anaheim. But I know they're going nowhere this year. I'm so. gonna say <laughs> Vancouver and uh, Ottawa <laughs> Cup Final. Book uh, it. Book uh, it. Okay. If, if if it happens, you heard it here first. I'm taking Vegas out of the West. Um, and I'll, I'll take Tampa, even though everyone else has picked them too. So there you go. There's our take top picks for the upcoming season. Four games on tap for the night, starting with uh, the Leafs hosting the Sens, and the Vancouver Canucks are, of course, visiting Edmonton. And uh, St. Louis will host their Stanley Cup banner when they welcome the 2018 champs, the Washington Capitals. So that's all uh, kicking off tonight. Vegas, of course, uh, takes on San Jose and the other one. So stick around for this. Uh, we got the Supervisor of Recreation, Health, and Wellness for Kamloops coming up after the break to talk about the Rec Master Plan. So stay tuned for that. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show and thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, the city is working on a new 10-year recreation master plan and it is set to host a number of public consultation sessions on the plan in the next week or so. Here to talk about how you can have your input and why it is important that people take part in the process is the Recreation, Health, and Wellness Supervisor at the City of Kamloops, Linda Stride. Linda, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So, I mean, just tell me a little bit about the plan as a whole as it stands right now. I mean, uh, this has been presented to Council, I believe it was two weeks ago. Um, I mean, just uh, how are you feeling about the plan moving forward? Is it, Obviously, it's not quite complete or we wouldn't be having these public consultation sessions. So, so kind of where do things stand in terms of putting this whole plan together? Well, we've been working on the plan for a year and a half now. And so it is in its final stages. We have a draft that we did present to council a couple of weeks ago, as you mentioned. 
and we now want to open it back up to the public. So we'd like the public to review the draft uh, before we take it back to council, which will likely be by the end of the month or early November, and we are looking for council to adopt it at that point. And why is it so important for the public to come out and participate in these processes? Like, obviously, if they want to have their say and have their two cents about what they think should be in the plan, this is sort of their opportunity to do that. Absolutely, and I think it's really important for our citizens to help us, the city, prioritize the future of recreation in our community, and that might be um, service delivery strategies, so what we're doing in the way of programming and services, but also in the way of infrastructure. We know we have aging infrastructure. Uh, the consultants have helped us identify some gaps, which I think some were pretty obvious to us prior to the process, but... So I think it's important that the public um, have their say in where they think we should be spending our money in the next five to ten years. Um, what are some of the major highlights? Can you can you point out of this plan? I know uh, you know it looks at things like new arenas, uh, new new ball fields and soccer fields and things like that. Um, but one of the one of the highlights for me uh, and and some of the people I do talk to was the fact that arts is a part of this as well. Looking at a new art center, um, I guess just it's kind of unique, I guess, to see that being part of a recreation plan. I think. Um, but why was it so important for the city to to have that piece be a part of this? Well, it was just something that we heard hugely um, in our initial engagement sessions. So when we went out to the public initially, we did the survey, we did again open houses, and that was the number one uh, infrastructure that we heard back from the public was we are missing a performing arts center. And so you have to remember arts is part of recreation. Recreation is a broad term for arts and culture and sport and physical activity and, and all of that. So it does encompass um, the arts area as well. That was the number one. And in addition to that, we heard as well as we heard from the public that we have a gap in aquatics. So aquatics leisure space, as you know, we have a beautiful 50 meter competition pool up at the uh, Canada Games. We also have Westside, we have the Y has a, has a pool. But in the way of leisureization for aquatics, that's another gap. And then as you mentioned, we are at capacity with arenas in our... Um, in our uh, existing infrastructure, if existing you will, yeah. infrastructure, and during our peak times, during okay. the peak times yeah, is okay. when we are really we are at capacity. We're over capacity, actually, with the data that we presented to the to the consultants. They were shocked by um, really how short we are. So, when looking at arenas, I mean, obviously, hockey. We're in Canada, and we're in Kamloops, and the tournament capital. So, it's something that I know a lot of people push for. Um, a lot of people who aren't interested in hockey say, you know, we've had enough arenas and enough with hockey, you know, let's look at some other things like the arts and culture. So I guess, where would you rank, could you even rank this on a priority scale right now? Where would arenas stand? I know uh, when I was talking with the mayor two weeks ago, he had mentioned, you know, if we're going to build an arena, it's going to be at least probably a, a twin pad or, or more because um, it makes more economic sense, I guess, to build two arenas in one spot than another one pad here and one pad there. Um, but can you rank those in terms of priorities, just sort of where some of these things stand? I mean, is, is a pool number one? Is Recre as an art center number one? Or is that even determined yet at this point? Not at this point. The plan is an opportunity for us to look at big picture. And then once we've presented it to council, we will then look at implementation. So, and that'll where the, that's where feasibility studies will come in and looking at costs and looking at what's the best way to do this. So if we're going to have new uh, sheets of ice, where are they going to go? What's the best place? Obviously, if we put them next to an existing ice plant, 
that is more financially feasible. But we do know also with the Arts Centre, we have a society that's formed that is very much pushing that forward. So we want to be able to allow that process to take place and then go from there once the Arts Centre society and that whole process has, has gone through, then we can look at um, where we can go from there if there's anything that we need to do to assist that process. Perfect. I'm joined now by uh, Linda Stride. So I guess... When, when we're talking specifically about uh, an art center and, and arenas, I mean, when we're looking at, I guess, sort of just the plan as a whole, when we're looking at some of the needs of the cities, probably this is this plan really just looks at what is required, and it's not necessarily looking at where things are going at this point in time, right? This is strictly just a needs-based assessment. Exactly. So it's not attaching any dollars to it, and it's not attaching location. And, and what it does say in the plan, the consultants have a couple of implementation recommendations, and those include further feasib feasibility studies. And that's something that we would need to do for an arena or for a new aquatic center. We would need to look at um, all the factors um, as far as location and costs and what other things would we want to include in it if we're going to include new infrastructure what else are we missing in our community such as gymnasium space that's another area that we're really short on so if we're building a new aquatics facility we should look at add-ons are, are there other are there other amenities that we should be looking at as well so when we're looking at these public consultation sessions, I guess, what are you looking to gain from the people that attend? Um, you know, obviously, you're probably not looking for people to come out and say, uh, I live in Valley View, I want a new arena in Valley View, that's where it should be built. That's not really the intent of this process. So, so what are you hoping to, to gain out of these sessions? Are you just sort of looking to see what you have identified and, and sort of what other people have identified as a need that's maybe not already in this plan? That's correct. So we're, we're really looking at people to come out and say, are we on the right track? Did we hear you initially if people who did complete the survey or were part of the open houses in the engagement process? Have we heard you and have we captured um, most of most of the feedback initially and are we on the right track? I don't anticipate any major changes resulting from the feedback, but um, if there's anything that, that we feel that we missed or wasn't heard as part of the engagement, now is the time for us to hear it. Uh, perfect. So there's a number of uh, chances for people to attend in person. I'll get to that kind of at the end. But just uh, if people aren't able to attend any of the sessions, um, is there other opportunity for them to have their, their, their say in this plan? There is. The plan is currently up on Let's Talk Cam Loops. So there's an opportunity to go on and view the plan, uh, provide comments, as well as we do have a feedback form up there now. It's the same form that will be at the open houses. And again, it just gives people an opportunity to communicate their feedback um, based on their review of the plan. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Linda. I really appreciate you taking the time to come in. And uh, I think this is some good information. My pleasure. Awesome. That was Linda Stride, the supervisor at the City of Kamloops for Recreation, Health and Wellness. As mentioned, of course, there will be a couple of chances for people to have their say on the Recreation Master Plan in person. The first session goes tonight from 7 to 8.30 at the Sports Center Lounge on MacArthur Island. And the next session is set for tomorrow evening from 7 to 8.30 at the Heritage House located at 100 Lawrence Street. So if you want to attend in person to have your say, there's a couple of opportunities here tonight and again tomorrow. I should add, though, that this plan is more than just facilities. I know that's kind of the, the bulk of the conversation I had here today. But it is also asking for input on things such as service delivery. Uh, so you can attend again tonight or tomorrow's session to provide feedback. And as Linda had mentioned, you can also uh, provide some feedback online as well. So lots of opportunity to have your say in the next five to ten years when it comes to recreation here in Kamloops.
Coming up after the news break, the Sagebrush Theatre is set to welcome back the Western Canada Theatre, and it has a new play to show off. I'll be talking more about that after this. Local News Now, Radio NL, 610 AM, and RadioNL.com. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back in here to today's program, and thanks for joining me here on Wednesday, October 2nd. The Western Canada Theatre, as it gets set to return to the Sagebrush Theatre, uh, is going to be opening a new play starting next week. Now, Sagebrush has been closed since February of uh, this year after a crack in the roof truss was discovered, so uh, an exciting return for West Canada. And I'm joined now in studio by Artistic Director James McDonald. James, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So before we get into the new production, I guess just talk about the excitement of, of getting to return to sagebrush here yeah we uh you know there's still a little bit of scaffolding up and a little few dust sheets on the seats but uh they're on track and we're all set to open next week um it has been a long time you know the there's we really do thank the community for their understanding in the moving of our two productions last year the moving of all the dance shows like everybody just as we are such a great community everybody just pitched in to be able to make that move as painless as possible and now we're really excited about going back uh, i guess i mean obviously you mentioned the the community was very uh accepting of the fact that obviously you know they had to make some moves in order to adjust to what was happening there but uh, just what do you think the response is going to be now that you do get kind of get the chance to move back home if you will i think people will be you know obviously looking forward to going back in there and I, you know, I heard your last interview, and it is another thing that just suggests to us that we love the sagebrush, we love doing performances in there, but um, the infrastructure is getting older. Uh, the repairs will need to be kept up, and uh, the idea that we're able to replace this infrastructure with a new performing arts center is something that we're we're very much behind at Western Canada Theatre. Are the performers pretty happy to return to that stage? Yeah, the you know, it's an interesting. You when you do pick a show, when you do pick a season, you really do pick it for the stage that you're going to be in. And so when I chose Dracula. The, ironically one of these uh, maybe I shouldn't give it away but one of the set pieces in Dracula is that the roof caves in on the performance so uh, it's very maybe I maybe I cursed it by choosing the show but I chose the show um, based on the fact that I thought it'd look really great in the sagebrush and and you know same thing with Buddy Holly when we did it last year we really designed Buddy Holly to be done in the sagebrush so when you move venues you're not just moving yeah. uh, you know you're, you're actually having to redefine what you've done as the design as well well good segue there so we can start talking a little bit about Dracula, the bloody truth. I mean, uh, obviously it's October, getting into Halloween time, so I mean, it kind of makes sense to, to have a monster-themed uh, performance, but I guess just why was this something that you kind of wanted to put on and be a part of? What about Dracula was it that sort of drew you in? Well, there's a few reasons. One is, as you say, you know, time of year, it's always nice to match something up, and people are getting into a bit, a bit of Halloween spirit. Um, the particular thing about this production of Dracula is that it does tell the story of Dracula. It follows the narrative quite closely, but it's a common it's a spoof, it's a parody, it's a farce. It's it's told by from the perspective of Van Helsing, who everybody knows is the great vampire killer, and he's kind of the straight man in this production, and he's hired three clown actors who he wants them to take it all seriously. But of course, in the great tradition of, you know, play within the play and, you know, what could go wrong, whatever could go wrong does, uh, there's a lot of uh, farcical things that happen in the telling of the story of Dracula. Why I loved it is that it actually stays very close to the narrative of the book itself, which I love, but it's also hilarious. It's super funny. The It's full of gags. It's full of jokes. It's it's So it kind of engages you on two levels because one of them is it's it'll really make you laugh, but the other is you'll go, wow, I actually do feel like I, now I know more about Dracula. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, 
obviously it is a monster flick, and, and you mentioned it kind of does hold true to the story of uh, who's Bram Stoker, who wrote it in the 1897, I believe yep, it was, something yep. like that. Um, so, I mean, obviously you mentioned it's got some humorous aspects to it in this particular version of Dracula, but does it still hold true to that sort of horror theme of this as well? I mean, I think uh, the ad that you guys put out is it's for ages 12 to undead, I believe is what you had said. Um, so given the fact that it is 12 and up, I mean, obviously there must be a, a little bit of a, a scarier theme to this as well. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's more about the the humor itself is probably more pitched towards adults. Okay. You know, I, I liken it to things like Monty Python or... You know, the it, it it's done originally by a British troupe. They're a clown troupe, actually. So, and if anybody saw Thirty Nine Steps that we did a few years ago, it's very similar to that. Although it's a bit broader in its comedy, like it really is in many ways. If people know like kind of that Buffon clown, you know, outrageous clowning with outrageous. It's just that the humor itself is a little more adult in content. But you know, we we always encourage people to bring their kids to the theater. I went to the theater. You know, I was I had a subscription at the theater in Edmonton when I was eight years old. You know, I just love doing it, and it's such an important thing to be able for people to be able to bring their kids. So I do think that the you know it's a little more adult, but 12, 13, 14 year olds will really groove on this as well. Perfect. Uh, joined in studio here by Western Canada Theater Artistic Director James McDonald. Um, so obviously, there's lots of opportunity as well for people to come check this out. It starts next Thursday, right? Is the uh, premiere, um, and it pretty much runs almost every day from. Uh, for the next two weeks thereafter, eh? Yeah, that's right. We open on the 10th, which is a week from today, and that's our first preview. And then we run until the 19th, uh, and the only day we don't have performances is Monday. We do have pay-what-you-can performances, and those are on both Saturdays. So that'll be Saturday, October 12th, and uh, October 19th. And we also encourage, so we encourage accessibility so people are able to, you know, uh, if they feel like they... Um, want a more accessible way of coming to the theater, they can just come to the pay what you can as well. Perfect. Um, are you hoping for a, for a pretty big turnout? I mean, uh, when you're looking at, uh, you know, the theme of Dracula and vampires in general, it's been something that's kind of been pretty pretty hip in pop culture over the last number of years. I don't know if it's quite got the same uh, trendiness to it that it did, you know, four or five years ago with the, the Twilights and the <laughs> Vampire Diaries and all that kind of stuff that was out there, but uh, do you think there's still that desire to see these uh, the vampire-themed plays and productions and movies and, and you might be able to capitalize on that? Well, it's funny you say that because it is true. When I was uh, considering the background of this show, I looked around at the, you know, I always loved Dracula. I read it when I was a kid and I always, I just soaked up all the different versions of it. It was Frank Langella. It was, you know, Nosferatu. And the this idea of how vampire culture has pervaded our society and why we're so fascinated by vampires is something that really interests me. You know, and I, I was thinking about it going, well, is it, like, why is Dracula so, done in so many different ways? Like, he's a sexy vampire in some, he's a very kind of aloof vampire, he's been spoofed a few times, and what is it about that Dracula legend that really draws us into it? And I do think that it's, um, there, there is something in our society about our, our primal fear about losing our life source, which is our blood. And, you know, one of the things that I love about it and, is that we're encouraging people to come, come dress up, come take a selfie in the studio or in the, in the lobby. Like there's all sorts of different ways to participate. And, uh, you know, I'll be there every night. I'll whip up some stupid vampire outfit probably. <laughs> um, but we just want people to engage and start to get into the Halloween spirit as well by, by dressing up, by coming, by, 
you know, getting an exposure to a different type of this vampire legend. That's awesome. I didn't realize you were encouraging people to dress up. I mean, is that uh, kind of out there as part of your promotion, or is this uh, the first I'm hearing of it? Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an official <laughs> part of the... Uh, we don't have anything like a specific dress-up night, but the, we have talked about it, and we do. Uh, uh, we would like people to get into the spirit of it in any way that they would choose. I hope we get to see lots of Dracula costumes or vampire costumes at this event over the next little while. Um, I guess uh, looking at... Dracula, as I mean, he, like you had mentioned, uh, you know, obviously very, very popular. Well, the most popular of, of all vampire-related uh, creatures. Um, I think I was reading earlier today when I was doing some research on this, and he was the most, uh, in terms of monsters, he's appeared in the most films of all time in terms of any kind of monster, whatever, like Frankenstein or any right. of those popular ones. Um, it's just, it's pretty amazing to me that people are so drawn into this particular character. Um, he's basically a superhuman. Um, I mean, do we see some of these elements come out in, in this particular show? Is he going to have those, you know, the strength of 20 men or whatever else it was that, uh, you know, he's kind of all about? Is he going to be bursting into smoke and turning into bats or any of those kind of really cool things that we see in so many different aspects of, or, or versions of Dracula? Well, it's funny you say that because I think that uh, w without spoiling it too much, let's just say that... I think this, it's, if you look at it as this performance being done by a particular troupe of actors, their intent is to try to tell this story as seriously as they can with all those bells and whistles, but their in relative incompetence in being able to do it leads all those things to go awry in a very, very comic, funny way. And, you know, I think all I need to say is that um, we have, as our Dracula this year, uh, Kirk Smith, and many people in our community know Kirk because he's... Uh, uh, partially he's from here and partially his performance is Buddy the Elf last year. Buddy the Elf, Elf was a huge hit for us last Christmas and Kirk is much beloved for his comic performances. <laughs> Kirk is not exactly the suave vampire type. <laughs> if you All you need to do is just think about Kirk and what he looks like and have him playing Count Dracula and you'll know what kind of Dracula he presents. But again, I mean that's what I love about Dracula is that he's got the opportunity to be he is a kind of a shapeshifter and can be seen in all these different ways. But uh, no, there's, there's lots of effects and the show like it's a very as i mentioned the roof coming in the there's lots of different kind of cool little stage comic effect or stage spooky effects that are also uh, at some point used as an opportunity for it to go wrong for comic effect awesome james well thanks so much for coming in i'm definitely looking forward to checking this out and uh, yeah hopefully everything goes well thanks so much yeah great thanks jeff awesome that was james mcdonald artistic director for the western canada theater and of course you can check out the latest production dracula the bloody truth which begins uh, next october 10th that's next thursday uh, and it runs to the 19th so uh, you can check that out pretty much every day from between those two dates so plenty of chances to head down to sagebrush and check it out coming up after the break i'll be talking to mayor ken christian so stick around for that opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks for tuning in here on Wednesday, October 2nd. Uh, yesterday, of course, there was a Kamloops City Council meeting, and as always, I am joined by Mayor Ken Christian to follow up on what went down. Mayor, thanks so much for joining me. Good morning, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, I guess, how are things going this week? A little bit less crazy than last week at this point? Last week was crazy. I mean, uh, UBCM week is uh, a busy week. Uh, the uh, Kamloops delegation was seven councillors uh, down there, and we had 
meetings with uh, no less than eight cabinet ministers, uh, meetings with the RCMP, BC Hydro, EMBC. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a busy week, and uh, there was, uh, of course, the usual uh, palette of resolutions as well as uh, keynote addresses and uh, uh, luncheons and receptions and things like that. So it was certainly uh, busy, but I think productive. Yeah, was there anything that uh, you wanted to get to but didn't, or were you pretty happy with sort of the work that was accomplished over the course of those five days? You know, that's the advantage of having a, a bigger delegation that uh, while some people were focused on the resolutions and putting forward Kamloops' position in terms of that debate, others were uh, at uh, various uh, sessions that uh, were from everything from, uh, you know, cannabis revenue sharing to organic waste recycling and, and alternative transportation. So a lot of uh, very uh, rich information to bring back to the community. Perfect. Uh, I won't spend too much time on that because I know that, uh, you know, it's probably something you've had to talk about to death since uh, since you got back there over the weekend. Uh, so we'll dive a little bit into what took place at council yesterday. So uh, I'll start with the easy one here. Looking one thing was uh, the free transit that was discussed for uh, things like elections and other special events. Um, I know we had talked last time you were in a couple of weeks ago about trying to increase ridership on uh the public transit system here in Kamloops. So this must be one way that could potentially do that. Um, I guess, was that resolution passed uh, yesterday, first and foremost? Yeah, it was uh, unanimously endorsed by uh, council yesterday. The uh, The thing there is that uh, it was kind of focused on the uh, federal election, which is just right around the corner, but also provincial election and municipal elections. So those were included in the list of things that we would consider uh, free transit for. But there's also a lot of other things that, uh, you know, we routinely do and and we do it for two reasons one is as you say to increase ridership but the other is some of these large events uh, are going to have a lot of people uh, driving and trying to park so offering uh, free uh, transit for things like rib fest makes a lot of sense in terms of getting people downtown and into riverside park uh, for uh, these large events without having to use their cars and trying to figure out where to park. So Canada Day, uh, those kinds of things are uh, typically when we would offer that. Costs us about uh, $2,500 to $3,000 a day every time we defer that revenue. But uh, hopefully it gives people a taste of riding transit and uh, as a result they might choose to take transit more often. Well, it's probably worth noting. I don't know if I assume this is the case here, but everywhere I've been, uh, transit does not make money. I assume that's the case here as well. So I can't imagine that that would be the goal behind running a, a transit operation. No, it doesn't make money. Uh, and camps is no different, although our ridership is higher, higher than in other uh, like sized municipalities. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is something that we need to do uh, both for the convenience of it in terms of, uh, as I say, saving on parking and that kind of thing, as well as respecting the planet in terms of reducing greenhouse gases and our uh, environmental footprint. Well, uh, since we're talking about protecting uh, Earth, I guess let's move on to what was talked about at Riverside Park yesterday as well. I know you guys, um, staff had brought up the idea of looking to get uh, three quarters of a million dollars from the province, I believe it was, to start looking at some mitigation work uh, at Riverside Park to help prevent some flooding down there. Um, I understand that that has been an issue in the past and uh, obviously something that you guys want to prevent moving forward. So uh, I guess can we give me an overall rundown of kind of what the project is that is being looked at here and, and sort of what council was doing in terms of endorsing it. I assume that was another thing that they said staff should go out and, and try to seek that funding. Yeah, there, there's funding available both from the province as well as from the federal government. And this is 
largely to protect infrastructure from the challenges of climate change. So in the case of Riverside Park, uh, we are faced with uh, lower lows and higher highs, I think was the way that the uh, uh, Director of Civic Operations uh, put it yesterday. And, and so that uh, uh, means that uh, during uh, Freshette, we can see floods that would exceed the walkway around there. So the proposal would be to uh, beef up the walkway by one to two feet and, uh, you know, create the necessary amenities, the benches, the pavement and everything up that high so that we have uh, protection then uh, in terms of what's essentially a dike as well as a walkway and it's going to protect some of our uh, major and critical infrastructure like sewage lift stations that we have located inside the park. It saves us uh, deploying some of our water-filled dikes in the event of a, a, a flood alert and uh, uh, this would be a, a permanent change and uh, one that hopefully will be funded by senior levels of government. I'm joined here by uh, Mayor Ken Christian. So I guess uh, just from my perspective, since I'm kind of new to, to the city of Kamloops, can you kind of talk about some of the incidents that have happened? Like I just have been kind of anecdotally told, yes, it's been an issue, but I haven't seen it since I moved here in July. Um, I mean, has it been a real serious issue? Has it seen like multiple events of this happening over the course of you know various summers or or just how serious is this that this is now coming up? Well, you know, the, the, the big flood that is in the history books in Kamloops was at Oak Hills, and uh, that was a, a huge flood in terms of property damage that occurred uh, many, many years ago. That area has since been protected by uh, flood uh, prevention works and dikes, and we've done a pretty good job in terms of west side and the uh, north shore around Schubert Drive and, and on down towards the airport. Uh, where we see flooding uh, every time there's going to be a big water year is going to be right around Riverside Park where you see both the North and South Thompson meeting and there's uh, generally a backup of water there and a surge of water that will rise over the banks and uh, generally flood the park uh, and it has been uh, as high as right up to the band shell. So okay. we want to uh, ensure that, uh, you know, we don't incur those because, uh, you know, they take our park out of service they uh, bother the infrastructure that's underneath the park and they just take a phenomenal amount of money to clean up afterwards. Yeah. So uh, this kind of protection, I think, is prudent and this is what the city should do to, uh, you know, be aware of the increasing risks related to climate change. Uh, obviously, you can't really say, but I guess if all went according to plan, the hope would be to do that project next summer, I assume? We would want to do it before Freshette, so sometime uh, over the winter. Usually you try to do those uh, projects on the riparian area during low water so that okay. you don't mess up uh, a lot of that uh, salmon spawning uh, area that you would be working in. So generally they're done in you know January, February, and March. Okay, so you'd hope to hear back on, on those funding requests pretty quickly then. That's right, and, and staff indicated that this is something that we're going to have to do anyway. Uh, we hopeful, hopefully will be successful in our grant applications, but uh, it's something that we're going to have to get done. Perfect. Um, moving on to uh, the intercommunal business license. I know this was something that was um, you had some proponents in the city looking to sort of, I guess it would help in terms of just being able to, to, to be available and deal in multiple 
um, communities here in the Kamloops area. I guess just tell me around the tell me about the discussion that was had around this intercommunal business license. Was this something that was supported by council and and you know just I guess is there any concern when it comes to to people applying for something like this? No, you know I I think uh, Councillor O'Reilly characterized it best when he he talked about it as a uh, red tape reducing initiative, and that's exactly what it is. So that if you're uh, you know, a painter and you're located in Chase, uh, you used to have to get a business license in Chase, a business license in Camels, and if you got a job in Barrie, you had to get a business license there, right? And so uh, that's expensive and it's time-consuming, right? So uh, with the consent of the other municipalities within the thompson Nicola Regional District, uh, we have a proposal where you would get a business license in the community where you reside, and then if you wanted that uh, multi-community uh, business license, you'd pay an extra $75, and that would allow you to apply your trade, as it were, wherever uh, you were within the TNRD. It makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know there, there's certainly some deferred revenue from some communities, but by and large, I think uh, it's going to make it smoother for business, and that in turn makes them more profitable and makes better employment opportunities for people. Yeah, I'd be surprised then, given that uh, rundown there, if any of the other communities would be opposed to it. But I guess, what is the process now? Now that Kamloops has sort of looked at it, I assume it has to go to another reading here before it's full officially passed. But then uh, does it go to other communities? Have you guys already discussed this within the TNRD or, or sort of what's the process here? Yeah, staff have been uh, discussing it within the communities within the TNRD. And so uh, I believe we're the third community to adopt this. And uh, we hope by uh, the start of 2020, uh, in other words, the end of this year, that the other communities will have adopted it. And then we can go forward th with that. And it's really just affecting those people operating a mobile business. So generally trades people yeah. primarily. And, and so uh, I think that it's going to improve the regional economy. And I think it's a good move. Well, thanks so much for coming in, and uh, enjoy your extended break here. Thank you very much. Awesome. That was Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests one more time for joining me, and a big thank you to everyone for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time. While it lasted, I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.